and welcome to Cami's Supporters Club. I'm Chris Kamara and this is my podcast. In each episode, I'm inviting some familiar faces to chat about the football team they love and the music that they've listened to along the way. In each episode, my guests will bring five tracks from their own record collections that remind them of the club they follow and their lives as football fans. It's time to welcome a new member into Cammy's Supporters Club. He's an actor, comedian, writer, TV presenter, radio presenter, singer, and above all, a top bloke. Welcome, Jason Mabford. Oh, wow, what an intro. <laughs> Oh, how are you? Yeah, really good, man. Yeah, really good. Just uh, just cracking on, you know, getting through this mad, mad year. Yeah, no, it'll soon be done. It'll soon be done. It will. I've got to say, Jason, you were a hero in our house with the grandkids because you were the edgehog in the mass Singer. <laughs> Tell us about it. <laughs> oh, man, it's so funny, isn't it, when you do something? I mean, obviously, you you know how it feels like, but, you know, you do so many different things in your life. <laughs> you work so hard, and then literally I'm in the street, people are like, edgehog! <laughs> oh, it was great fun. I loved it. Loved it to bits. Um it was, and obviously, I did it before it became a phenomenon as well. Like, so before it became like the biggest show of the decade. So, they just rang me and said, "Do you want to do this this um, new music show?" And I said, "Well, I'd, I'd rather not, <laughs> to be honest." I said, well, "Describe it." They said, "You're going to dress up like a hedgehog or a giraffe or a tree, and uh, sing your favourite pop songs, and then people decide whether you go through to the next week." <laughs> and I said, "No, I don't think so." I'm all right. I'm a proper, you know. I do. I do the West End, mate. I'm not. I'm not dressing up as a hedgehog. <laughs> and then they said it's this much, and I said, "Where are the spikes?" <laughs> uh, man out of my own heart. <laughs> well, you are. You mentioned the West End. You are commonly known as a comedian. One of your inspirations, becoming a comedian, was firstly Billy Connolly. What a legend. Unbelievable. What a legend. What an absolute legend. Yeah. I think it was that, I remember, I sort of quite, I can picture even now being about six or seven. And I don't know how your house was laid out, but ours was the stairs to up to up to, to our bedrooms. Um, if you sort of halfway down and sat down on the stairs, you could look through the gap of the uh, banister through the gap of the door and see me telly right in the corner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was in bed and I could hear this laughter from downstairs and uh, my parents were crying laughing. And so I sort of snuck downstairs and it was the, um, it was the, the episode that he did the, an audience with and they were crying laughing. And I eventually managed to sort of sneak down and sit on the end of the sofa and watched it with them. And, and I'd never seen anything like it. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. And, He's just, you know, he's just a genius and always been a um, a hero of mine. Oh, incontinence pants, the big slipper, they're legendary. So for anyone who doesn't know about Billy Connolly, you've got to watch those clips. Where have you been? 
Uh, yeah, where have you been? Another inspiration, uh, another hero of yours is Bolton's finest, Peter Kay. Yes, yeah. Well, Peter was sort of more my generation of, you know, where Billy was sort of my parents' generation and I appreciate him through them. Peter was my, for me, you know, when I was 17, 16, 17, and I was working in a comedy club in uh, in Chorlton in South Manchester and he he was on the bill and I remember getting to work and there'd be in queues around the block. It was like half five and there was a queue around the block at this little comedy club that held 200 people, you know, and I was thinking, what's this for? And uh, and then that night I, I found out because he was unbelievable. I'd never seen so much love just being projected to, to, to a performer on stage. It was amazing. And, you know, he was so similar to me in, in as much as, you know, he was from an Irish background, you know, working class uh, northern dad, um, you know, sort of didn't do so well at school because he was a bit of a class clown and a joker. And that we had so many similarities yeah. that um, I just thought he was hilarious. And he was the first person that made me think, I'd love to do that. Like it, it felt tangible, you know, because something like this, you know, it's a bit like, well, it's not like being a footballer, but it's, you know, there's, there's, there's an element that you just think that's not for me because that's that's something that happens to other people. Mm. But when someone so like you makes it and does it well, you think, oh, actually, no, it is. It is possible. Maybe I can do that. And, and that's what he was for me. Well, Paddy McGuinness is a big mate of mine, probably yours as well. And I always talk to him about Phoenix Nights and what a show that was. How great was that? I actually auditioned for, for Phoenix Nights. Did you? Yeah. So I was sort of, I knew Peter a little bit off the circuit and he basically let everybody in the Northwest, every comedian in the Northwest audition for, uh, for, for, for the show. Obviously I didn't get the part, but um, I, uh, I did actually audition for, uh, oh. for a couple of parts in Phoenix Nights. Have you told him, why didn't you pick me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, um, no, it was just an honour to, to, to have a go at it, to be honest. But I've loved it. You know, I've loved it ever since. And actually, my best friend, Steve Edge, is um, he's the uh, the drummer in uh, Les Alanos. And uh, so, yeah, he still gets, you know, people shouting at him in the streets for Phoenix Nights. It's a, it's a massive hit. Oh. So, just for the people who don't know, in Cammy's Supporters Club, who do you support? I support Manchester City. Man City. Yes. Oh, what a club to be a fan of at this now, moment yeah. in time. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that about England fans. I thought any Engl- any sort of young England fans who've only been, you know, been watching football the last sort of 10, 12 years. Yeah. That's basically like what being a City fan is because yeah. what you've not what they've not experienced. They've been to semi-finals in World Cups, set, you know, finals in the Euros. Yeah. They've not experienced the real, you know, yeah, downtimes. And and that's a bit like being a city fan, you know. And so these young city fans come in. I get my younger my younger brother's 20, and uh he gets annoyed if we've only won one nil. I think, mate, you don't know that <laughs> you've not experienced the the lows of supporting this club. So yeah, I do feel like um I feel like we deserve it. Were you born into it or how did you fall in love? With footy in the first place. Dad was a City fan, granddad was a City fan, great granddad. Everybody um, supported City. Um, on, bo- on both sides as well. On my mum's side, they were uh, Irish, uh, came over to live in Salford. And though, even though they lived in Salford, which is a Manchester United stronghold, 
they um they they support city as well so yeah it's just always been part of us really and um i never well i what i had one moment when i was about i don't know maybe about 8 or 9 and i remember coming home and city used to get i mean when i say they got beat Cammy, I mean, you know what they were like i mean they were yeah. dreadful at times <laughs> dreadful I would have been playing against them when they were dreadful. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, I remember coming home from school because Monday mornings, I used to dread Monday mornings. Like whatever the result was at the weekend, I'd be going in and the whole school was United fans, it felt like. You know, it was like three of us. Mm-hmm. We'd like give little quiet nods to each other in the playground. and It was like a secret, you know. And uh, <laughs> I used to dread going in. And I came home and I said to my dad one day, Hey, Dad, I've got an idea. And he said, what? I said, I'm thinking, you know, like City get beat every week. Um, a lot of my mates support United. So I'm thinking, what if we all just support United instead? Because they're always winning. And I mean, I was eight years old. I don't know the rules of football at this point. And my dad looked at me like <laughs> like I'd just like pooed on the kitchen table. <laughs> And even now I sort of catch him looking at me. I think I, I think he's thinking about it. I think he's still thinking about it 30 years later. You wish you'd pooed on the kitchen table. <laughs> uh, Jason, we ask all our guests for five songs that they associate with supporting their teams over the years. Thank you for your five. The first track that you have chosen... Surprise, surprise, is Blue Moon by the Marcells. Tell us why. Well, I mean, it's just synonymous with the club now. Um, I don't even remember when they started singing it, but it must have been at a time, it must have been in the 90s when things weren't going so well. And because it's not your typical football song, is it? It's quite, you know, Blue Moon. It's quite slow, you know what I mean? It's not, you know, it's like like a lot of them. But the melancholy of it, I think, fits in with what it was like supporting City at that time. You saw me standing, like it's so slow for a football song. Um, But it's lovely. And actually now you can kind of sing it, you know, a bit ironically, really, because we are doing doing well. And and when, when the, like anything, when the fans, you know, are in full voice, it's real uh, goosebump moment. It is a song that has been sung by 60 different artists. I'll just name a few of the legends who've sung it. Rod Stewart, Bob Dylan, Billie Holiday, Frank Sinatra, Sam Cooke, Louis Armstrong, Dean Martin, The Supremes. I could keep going and going and going, but let's have a little listen to your favourite version by the Marcel. Smashing. I think that should be on your next album, that. <laughs> oh, yours? <laughs> oh, mine, you never know. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Just talking about that album, how did you get into that? <laughs> well, I I often joke about it, but I when they when they approached me, I said, uh, okay, I'll do one. Can we call it, well, Bradley Walsh has got one? 
Because that's at that time, that sort of, you know, Bradley had done an album and it's done really well. And I think obviously, you know, there's no new ideas. They were looking out who else could do one. I'd always wanted to do one. Uh, I've always sang. My family were all singers. And that's always what I thought I'd end up doing, you know, and, and uh, to, so to be involved in musical theatre and, and and doing live shows of singing is, is, a, is a dream come true, really. Um, so it was just unbelievable. We, we went, we flew out to... Um, to Prague, we played with the Philharmonic Orchestra out there, 60-piece orchestra with a 200-strong choir. And um, they just threw everything at this album. And um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I've not made any money out of it. I don't know how yours did. But um, <laughs> I don't know how Ed Sheeran eats, to be honest. I don't know how he feeds his kids. Um, but, uh, but yeah, because it, it um, and we sort of, we just tipped into the top 10 albums uh, for about a fortnight. I managed, I managed to get to number uh, number nine or 10 and uh, we knocked Shania Twain out the top 10, which um, obviously that won't impress her much. That's my little joke that I have. That's my little dad gag that I do. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Yeah, little dad joke for you. Um, but um, it was just a treat to do it, to be honest. And it's not been an opportunity that I've, you know, that I had pre- uh, had leading up to that and it was absolute dream you must have loved it as well you're doing your one oh amazing absolutely amazing then talking and did about... you get to be within the back with the band and stuff yeah, the, yeah oh, how amazing is that at the angel studios in london oh, it was just incredible i couldn't hear myself sing which is you know which is uh, the conductor no bad was thing. <laughs> not a bad thing at all. The conductor was waving his flag at me to get it's your turn. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, that, that song, Blue Moon, is there a special game in your memory when that song was sung? I think that uh that moment when Aguero scores uh, against QPR and we um we won the Premier League for oh, the first time. Iconic. Martin Tyler's oh. commentary. Oh, my gosh. He nailed it, didn't he? Absolutely <laughs> nailed it. And I remember I wasn't sat in my normal seats that for, for whatever reason. I think my wife had come, actually. So I usually, I've got season tickets, me and my dad and my brothers. We've had season tickets for, for years, and that's, I don't bother with Christmas presents. I just renew their season tickets every year, and that's and they're happy with that, and oh, I'm happy great. with that. And... Um, and we just sit in the regular seats in the Colin Bell stand. Um, there was one year when I first started doing all right, where I said to said to them, "Hey, this year we're going corporate. We're going. We're pro and butty people now." Yeah. And uh, we did a season uh, in a, in a box, and I got to the end of the season now, and I went to renew it, and my dad said, "No, no, get me back in my normal seat." And I said, "Oh, but it's great. We get fed, you know, like." The legends come round to visit you beforehand. You know, you get yeah, to meet yeah. Colin Bell and whatnot. He said, I'm not. I just don't think it's right going to the matching shoes. <laughs> so that was, that was it. It was gone. It was gone. We're back in our normal <laughs> 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 He wanted to put his trainers and his jeans on and not feel like, uh, you know, on show. So which is fair enough. So And actually, it's great. So we've got the same people sat around us every, every week and we love it. But um, for that week, for that game, my wife, who's not a massive football fan, but she, you know, she wanted to come because she knew it was a special event for us all. And so I'd managed to get seats somewhere else in the ground. Um, and so I was, I was actually right close to the, to the edge of the pitch. I wasn't far from the dugout and stuff, um, just on, on those front seats there. And singing that at the end, you know, it was one of them arms up and it was, you know, eyes closed, <laughs> like just singing from the heart. It was, yeah, it was unbelievable. What a moment. Right. 
Let's move on to your second track, which surprised me. It's the <laughs> grandstand theme composed by Keith Mansfield. He also produced the theme tune to the big match. Oh, my God. It's just hit after hit for that guy. <laughs> so why the grandstand theme? Again, it's it's just the memories of it, you know. My so when we was growing up, my mum was a nurse, and uh, so she worked big, you know, 12, 14 hour shifts. And my dad had just lost his job at the hospital himself, and he was then a house husband and was at home. And so he had his like he had his system, you know. So he would he so he did all the washing, all the uh, laundry, all the you know house. But on a Saturday afternoon the ironing board went up in front of the telly and it, he would do the whole of the families, all of us, all those three kids at the time, me and uh, my two brothers, his and my mum's. And he would just spend all afternoon just in front of the telly and uh, ironing, watching grandstand. And so that, I just remember that being part of my childhood. Like that was just Saturday and, and we would pop in and out and stuff and sort of catch the score and have a little look, but he would watch it like he was, like it was a, like it was a drama, like, like, like there was a narrative <laughs> and there was a storyline. And so, and, and he was just watching it and that was just his thing, you know? And so I sort of, I hear that music and it, it, I just have affection for it because I just remember how, you know, he was at quite a low ebb in his life, you know, of, yeah. of losing his job and his livelihood and not being the, the sort of male breadwinner as, as you'd expect in the sort of eighties. And, um, and that was just his, that was his thing. That, and, and I just, you know, and I, I just, appre- I, I was, a, I didn't appreciate, you know, what he was sort of going through, I suppose, at the time and what he did for us at the time. So, but whenever I hear that music now, it just, just makes me smile just thinking about how hard he worked. Let's bring those memories to life and have a listen. Iconic song. Right. Who's been your favourite player over the years? Uh, oh, good question. It's hard, obviously, because we've with the current crop, you know, you could pick a different one every week, you know, with David mm-hmm. Silva and Aguero and, uh, you know, just every single one of them, just Diaz in the last season, um, De Bruyne. Watch, you know, just unbelievable. But there's a, I think you watch football at different periods in your life, don't you? And, and, and it means different things at different times. And so for me, the memories of growing up and like in my head, I feel like Peter Beagrey could get in this current city squad. Like when I, when I, when I remember Peter Beagrey on the wing, I just thought he was amazing. But obviously he was amazing compared to the rest of the team. And um, and so, but like like Giorgio Kincladze, I think could easily fit in just just right in front, right 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 at the side of uh, De Bruyne, and 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 keep it up. Like you know, I think out of all of them, I'd probably go Kincladze. Kincladze, yeah, Kincladze. Oh. I think because he was we'd never seen anything like him at City before. He was really special. He was far too good to be in our team. 
I remember actually going to the, uh, my dad took us to the, to the ground once to the shop. He said, right, you can have any, any, any players on the back of your, back of your shirt. And me, and my two brothers said, right, we, we want King Clardsy, number eight or whatever he was, you know. My dad totted it up. It was like three pound a letter, <laughs> five pound a number. He was like adding it all up there on the thing. He went, right, I've worked it out. You can have Vonk. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have Kinky though. <laughs> you couldn't have Kinky. That would have been that would have been wrong for a seven year old. <laughs> But yeah, uh, we were the only kids in school with Vonk on the back of our shirts. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. So who were you in the playground when you were a kid? I always loved David White when I was, you know, when I was a nipper, when I was sort of in the late 80s. Um, but, I often, but I never got to go up front, so I could never be David White. So often I'd sit back and I was Paul Lake. Um. And I just loved Paul Lake. I just, even even like later on in life, after he stopped playing football because of his um, terrible injury. And uh, and I actually met him. In fact, he lived he, he lived on our road for a while. I didn't, I, I just, I walked past him one day and was like, is that Paul Lake? Like, it was, it was really odd. And I was like right into adulthood, you know, and I, felt, and I suddenly went back to being eight years old. And, uh, and we, you know, I became pals a little bit, him and his wife as well. And, uh, just a really lovely fella and, and such a travesty, really. Such a shame that, you know, an injury that if he got it now, he, you know, he, he would play again. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Alan Ball was my manager at Stoke and I loved him, but I never told him I loved him as a ah, player yeah. because he was my manager. Of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I met uh, Eusebio at the Euros in Portugal mm. and... It was one of their moments where I'm looking round to tell people, you know, Eusebio. Yeah. yeah, we know. We know. Yeah, but it's Eusebio. Yeah, yeah we know. <laughs> we know, yeah. we know. Go and speak to him. No, I didn't. Yeah. I did yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so funny, that, isn't it? Like, with footballers, because they mean so much to us. And, yeah. you know, especially the ones that, you know, have been, like I said, been part of your life at a time where you might have been, having a tough time, but there was just a little bit of spark of joy on a Saturday afternoon that they made, you know, and uh, I saw it with my dad actually when, when I took my dad to um, a couple of games and we were sort of in the hospitality and stuff and he met Colin Bell and he just was like, what? It was like, my dad was like an 11 year old <laughs> in front of this guy who is only about six years older than him. You know, and uh, it was just amazing to watch him sort of, all right, Mr. Bell, uh, what are you talking to? He's 65. But, um, and then there was a moment where I was doing um, Mike Summerby, obviously, you know, very well, but uh, he's... Uh, I was with him at Wembley the, the other night. Yeah, he's. I love Mike. And um, there was a, a while I, was, I did a few charity gigs for him. He was, him and his wife used to organise organize these charity gigs. And uh, and I was driving one time, and Mike rang me. And it come up on the my dad's in the passenger seat, and it comes up on the screen. Mike Summerby ringing, and I'm driving, but I'm in the middle of a conversation, and, and obviously it's, it's a technical thing that we need to talk about about this thing. So I just put into voicemail, just press the red button and put into voicemail. I thought my dad was going to pull the car over. How dare you! <laughs> How dare you put Mike Summerby to your voicemail? 
was livid. Oh, do you realise what a legend he is? <laughs> yeah, I do, Dad, but you're more important. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that brings us nicely to your third track, which yeah. is by the Boys in Blue. Boys in from Blue. Manchester City Football Club and Colin Bell, Mike Summerby. They were all part of it. Why this song? Well, it still gets played at City now. Um, it's sort of part of the the Man City DNA, really. Um, it's still it's all pleasant, and I didn't realise um, that you know they'd all sang this song. You know, I, I just they, they used to play this song in front of the game, and I was in my teens, really. And I said to my dad, like, what? What even is this song? Like, where's this? It's bonkers, and. Um, but yeah, they, they and Dad told me, you know, it was all the first team went over to uh, uh, Strawberry Studios in um, in Stockport and uh, and recorded, uh, yeah, Boys in Blue. And they're all on there, aren't they? Colin Bell and Mike Doyle and Glyn Pardo, and it's just sort of something like of its time. Like we don't we don't do that anymore. You know, we don't we don't have our players. Our players are a bit too cool now. Yeah, you know, yeah. to go knock out a record, it's just not, it's just of its time. And so that's why I love it because it. It sort of just—it just reminds you of, of of that sort of slightly, you know, there's moments where it's like it's a bit cringy when you look at the video and stuff. But I just love it. It's just such sort of camaraderie and and fun. And and they play it at the match, and it's sort of got a bit of irony attached to it. But it's it's great fun. Great stuff. Let's hear it. Tony Book, Francis Lee, Mike Summerby, Colin Bell. Off we go. You just can't imagine that, could oh. you? You can't imagine like De Bruyne and <laughs> Jesus and that. Like, going, right, let's go and record a record for the club. <laughs> well, I mentioned to Mike Summerby that I was with you today and he said, when we went along for that sing-along, we were all blathered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can see on the video because none of them know the, know the words. Really. They're all reading the words off the... <laughs> That song was created by Godley and Cream, who went on to form 10CC, and their biggest wow. hit, of course, was I'm Not In Love. Not In Love. Yeah, yeah of so course. Stockport's own. Yeah. Right, on to track four. Right. Roll With It, Oasis. Obviously, Big City fans, is that the reason why, or is it the song? Well, a bit of both, really, um, but mainly because you know they're such um, they're such massive city fans, you know, and I I just love how um, passionate they are, you know, when you see them at the match and talking about it and stuff. But like to a point where I love that even the players uh, listen to Oasis, you know, that yeah. they, they've been sort of become synonymous with the club, and it's rare actually that um, that a band or a singer becomes so synonymous with one team. I don't think there's any, other than Elton John, I guess, at Watford. Um, I can't think of anybody 
else? I mean, maybe you can think of it, but the, you know, a band that becomes actually synonymous with the club, you know, they, they, they walk onto the pitch and the players greet them like old friends. And I mean, I know Pep would play like roll with it in the dressing room and stuff for the, uh, you know, before big games and, and then it gets played in the, you know, over the tannoy. And so it's, um, yeah, and whether they're just, because they're local lads, you know, they're from Burnage and I don't know. I don't know what it is about them. And, and actually the good thing is having football to talk about. So I've, I've only ever met, I've never met Liam, but I've, I've bumped into Noel a few times at gigs and stuff like that and uh, festivals. And I remember one time going, I think it was, at, was it Latitude or somewhere like that? And Noel was performing and somebody just went, oh, Noel's back here. Do you want to meet him and say hello? And I'm like, I think this is like one of my heroes yeah, here. Yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah, fine. And I went into his dressing room. And all right, Jay, so we're having a little chat and about comedy and stuff like that. And then gradually the sort of, you know, naturally the conversation dies down a little bit. And I'm thinking I'm going to have to make, I have to go here. I can't believe I'm going to have to leave just before this gets awkward. And I said, um, I said, what do you think about City this season? Well, there was another 40 minutes. Yeah. Suddenly I managed to get another 40 minutes conversation <laughs> out of. And if, you know, if I had not had Man City to talk about, we'd have had absolutely nothing. So uh, <laughs> that football thing is always, I don't know if you've ever been out with like you, it might be a bit different for you, but like sometimes you go out with your, your, your wife's friend and her fella. And you're, it's like with kids, you know, when you when mums get together and they go, right, kids, go and play off with each other. Wives do the same thing with husbands. Yeah. They go, no, you're, two, you're both men. Uh, you know, you can play with each other. And um, we'll be sat at dinner and uh, <laughs> and there's nothing worse than saying to some new bloke, what team do you support? And he goes, Man, I don't really like football. Oh, yeah. Goes, oh, forget it. <laughs> forget it. No pudding. We're not having pudding. Yeah, yeah. Nudging a knee under the table. Let's yeah. go. Time to what go. What have you done to me? What have you done, what have you done to me here, look? Uh, brilliant. <laughs> Oh, crikey. Let's have a little bit of Roll With It from Oasis. You gotta roll with it, you gotta take it time, you gotta say what you say, don't let anybody get in your way, there's a song too much for me to take. Brilliant. Great song. What a First song. song. I remember it was it was played at Wembley after we won the FA Cup against Stoke in 2011 as well. That was like, I remember that just being a you know a, at Wembley won a cup like I just that was amazing. That was the first song we were all just dancing on. Oh, great! As usual, it was written by Noel Gallagher in 1995. He wrote most of Oasis's songs. It reminds me of a cafe my mum and dad would take me to occasionally when I was a kid and used to say, what can I have? You can have soup of the day with a roll in it. (laughs) 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 Oh, you got me then. (laughs) No, seriously. So every time you can have a roll with it, you know. So every time that came on, it used to remind me of that cafe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We're on to your final track now. Th- there can't be a football fan who doesn't know this song. Rocking all over the world by status quo. Why this song? So this was uh played. This was the f- I think it was the first song played after the Gillingham 
final oh, yes. at Wembley. Yeah, yeah. And just remember going absolutely nuts. Um, you know, that was an unbelievable game. You know, Paul Dickoff and Nicky Weaver, and it was just phenomenal. And really the start of the Man City you see today, really, yeah. you know, without it, I very yeah. much doubt we, uh, we, we were where we were. And, and so I just remember we got, you know, we got on the bus early doors, got picked up in Didsbury on the bus with my dad and his mates and uh, got, they were all drink. I was, you know, I was young, but they were all drinking and getting on it early doors. Uh, got to Wembley, which, I'd, you know, I'd never been to, but I'd never actually been to London. Mm. And suddenly I'm at Wembley watching Man City in a final. Yes, it was, you know, the Division 2 uh, playoff finals, but, uh, oh man, it was amazing. And then when when we, the emotional roller coaster of that game, City don't do things by half. City don't go, you know, back then, they don't go 3 and up and just cruise and, and let you have a nice time. You know, they like to just lose for a bit and maybe get one back. And, uh, you know, as Man City fans, it's the hope that kills you as a City fan over the years. And then at the end of the game, just oh, unbelievable. And then they played that, you know, it was one of the first songs the DJ put on at Wembley. I just remember everybody out of their, out of their seats and rocking all over the oh world. <laughs> lots of people wouldn't realise that lots of City fans actually left the stadium that day in that game. Yes, that's <laughs> right. I know a couple. <laughs> Oh dear! I know a couple. Yeah, I know a couple. Of, a mate of my dad's left, and um, and, and was literally on the concourse, and then heard the cheer behind him. Tried to run back in. They won't let him back in once he'd left. Why do people? I'll never understand why. I get it on occasion. You know, work or you need to be home for something. You know, but I can never understand why you would ever leave a football ground. I, even if you, even if I was five nil down. With two minutes left, I wouldn't leave. I just, it'd be like not seeing the last couple of minutes of a film for me. I don't, I never understand it. I quite enjoy getting involved with, um, we can see you sneaking out. Yeah. I quite enjoy that as a song as well. <laughs> you can see some of the opposition fans leaving. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's, let's have a bit of rocking all over the world. Oh, what a great song. It's been standing alongside songs like uh, We Are The Champions by Queen uh, after every successful team wins at Wembley. But here's a bit of trivia for you. That opened Live Aid in 1985. Rock it all over the world. Did you? Wow. Amazing. And for the life of me, I thought this was a status quo song, but it's a cover written and released 10 years earlier by John Fogarty of Credence Clearwater Revival fame. Oh, is it really? Wow. (laughs) Good trivia. (laughs) Didn't know that. Yeah. Thank you to the boys at the back. <laughs> of course, I knew it. <laughs> so, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I can't leave you now without talking about Pep Guardiola. Is he the best manager in the history of football? 
I mean, it's hard to argue, isn't it? I mean, he's certainly up there with, um, you know, the Fergusons of this world. And I, I just think he's, he's just amazing. Like his, what he's done at the club from the ground floor up, he knows everybody from the, you know, from the cleaner to the people who work in the kitchens and all the coaches, you know, so he's involved in everybody. There's just a good feeling around the club, which I think that, I mean, you'll know better than I do, but that does seem to be about 40% of winning matches is like how good people feel uh, on and off the pitch. And, yeah, he's you know tactically he's amazing. One last question: You've got five Littlands, is it? I've actually got six. Six. Wow. Yeah, when yeah, did yeah. the last one come along? <laughs> Just in our conversation, now I should have been there. I should have been there, but I chose you. Who are they gonna support? <laughs> well, they already they're already Man City fans. Uh, you know, my girls, my big girls, all play uh, for the local team, and uh, we go and watch Man City women uh, play quite a lot. Um, we've not been to a men's game yet, but um, the women's game's great fun for families. If you've got kids and, and you know, because sometimes the men's game can be a bit, you know, a bit argy-bargy, a bit of, you know, testosterone flying around. It's not always the best place sometimes for for, for children. Um, but the women's game's fantastic. So, so, you know, great quality and, you know, the kids love it. In fact, they've been mascots a few times. I ran out with the girls uh, before the game, which is which is very special. So I think it'd be hard pressed for them to support anyone else, really, because a we all support City, and also they're the best team. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they have to fight against yeah, what yeah. I had to fight against in the eighties. They get to actually support the best team uh, at the moment, which is um, which is great. So, uh, but it is it is always a worry, isn't it? Because you do sort of you know people worry about who you're daughters and whatever are going to you know going to marry who, who they're going to be with and I always think I'd be fine with anybody any any race or religion any politics uh any job you know I'd be fine but there's just a little bit of me that thinks if he's a United fan how would I deal with that because <laughs> you've got to think forward and you got to think about your grandchildren you've got to think about your grandchildren you think imagine, imagine I lost them right in the last right in my 80s and suddenly the next generation of Manford, the United fans, I just, I don't know if I'd be happy with that. <laughs> Jason Manford, you're a star. Thank you for joining Cami Supporters Club. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, what a pleasure. Absolute legend. Oh, thanks, thanks mate. Thanks, Thanks for listening to Cami's Supporters Club. Make sure you subscribe to Cami Supporters Club on your podcast provider of choice and you'll never miss out on any of the action. And if you've enjoyed listening, give us a review and a rating. I'll be chatting to another guest very soon as they soundtrack their relationship with the beautiful game. See you then. Oh,